This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the newest edition in the Compliance Podcast Network. My latest podcast, Compliance and Coronavirus. As the voice of compliance, I wanted to start a podcast which will help bring both clarity and sanity to the field of compliance, the compliance practitioner, and indeed the compliance profession during this worldwide health and healthcare crisis. Taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events to the role of the board of directors to crisis management to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. We will post on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time for the foreseeable future as we navigate our way through this incredible crisis. First, a word about our sponsor, SAI Global. With the coronavirus and COVID-19 pandemic continuing to change rapidly, trust and integrity are paramount to business continuity preparedness. SAI Global is here to help compliance and risk professionals facing these challenges, including unprecedented business impacts from employee well-being to disrupted supply chains. SAI 360 is a cloud-first software and modern ethics and compliance learning platform designed to help you navigate risk from every perspective. To learn more about how you can protect your business operations and workforce during these uncertain times, visit saiglobal.com backslash risk for free resources, expert guidance, and industry-leading technology. Thanks again to SAI Global for sponsoring this most important podcast. In this podcast, I visit with Peter Ayer. Peter is a partner at Crowell & Morley in Washington, D.C., and Peter's been looking at the patchwork quilt of orders, uh, suggestions, and regulations around the coronavirus and how you can navigate these waters. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode, and today I have with me Peter Ayer, co-chair of the Crowell & Mooring, Mooring Government's Contact Contracts Group, and we're going to take a look at the maze of state shelter-in-place and quarantine orders. So, Peter, first of all, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me, and welcome to the podcast. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for uh, for having you and talking, having uh, me on and talking about this really important topic. Um, as I mentioned uh, in our green room meeting, I am in Texas, and that means this topic is at the forefront of most people's minds, and the situation is incredibly dynamic. Uh, so I first wanted to start with asking you, how are state and local regimes uh, being impacted by state and local quarantine rules? It's a, it's a great question, and Texas is a great example of the challenges that face businesses uh, and individuals, employers, employees. And it really comes from the following, which is um, every state, every local jurisdiction is making different decisions about how to best respond to this pandemic. Um, so in effect, you have a patchwork of orders, directives, some are guidance, some are binding, some apply to employers, some apply to individuals. So take Texas, for example, you have a state order. In some cases, you have county orders. In some cases, you have um, even more granular orders. Some focus on essential businesses and shelter in place. Some focus on cross-state line travel. Some focus on quarantine and social distancing. So that patchwork 
creates real compliance challenges uh, for everyone. And it's very dynamic. It changes by the hour, literally. So keeping up with it and then trying to react and comply um, starts with tracking all these changes and then having a team that's ready to fan out quickly uh, to, to assess and react appropriately. It's a real challenge right now. And that really leads to my next question, Peter, which is, what are you uh, counseling your clients on uh, some of the key considerations uh, around uh, this issue? So the, the key considerations really are, number one, tracking the various uh, orders, and they take various forms, and there's no central repository. So having um, someone who is dedicated or having advisors who are helping to track the information Um and then having a communication protocol for making sure the right stakeholders understand what those changes are. And when things are moving this quickly, there are some very subtle distinctions and determinations being made. Um, although it's hard, having a decision tree for how to balance um, the various considerations, paramount, of course, is worker safety. Um, so even if uh, you're place of employment is continuing, what steps are being taken with an eye toward worker safety? Is it um, additional guidance on social or physical distancing, hygiene, additional cleaning? How is that being communicated so workers understand uh, the priorities that businesses are are placing on safety? Um, To the extent people can work remotely, is that being done in every possible case? What are the challenges associated with moving uh, from physical locations to telework? Really thinking through that decision tree. And in general, it starts with anyone who can work remotely should be working remotely. Anyone who is non-essential under the orders, how are we going to de, um, essentially de-densify the workforce um, when it, as it relates to, to that um, facility? And then what steps are going to be taken from a compliance and ethics standpoint to try to really minimize um, the amount of, of contacts that people are having. And it really varies by industry. It can be very tricky in certain industries, but it all starts with having the inputs to make sure you have the current information. Peter, one of the things that is forefront of people's minds, and at least uh, in the state of Texas, probably in broader areas, is what is this, uh, the essential businesses is there any general guidance you can give around that term that's being bandied about? It's a great question. So the short answer is it varies by each order. Um, there are certain commonalities and certain um, areas of overlap. So some orders essentially cross-reference a memo from the federal government um, involving critical infrastructure. So the basic notion is that if you are providing services or goods that relate to critical infrastructure as defined by the Department of Homeland Security, then your business is essential. But that doesn't really answer the analysis fully. In some cases, if you meet those criteria, that's all you need to do. In other cases, there are additional steps that have to be taken depending on industry and uh, nature of the risk associated with it. 
some states follow a completely different definitional scheme. So the single best reference point is this DHS memo, um, but every state is going to be different in terms of what is required. The newest twist is um, these state border uh, crossing rules uh, in terms of who can come and go, what rules are are, are um, added to that uh, equation as well. So there are just layers of complexity uh, for for employers and for employees. Uh, Peter, the um, travel bans or at least the quarantines from people traveling from state to state have started to pop up. Yep. Uh, could it be yep. possible that a state could institute a, uh, a travel ban between counties? We have not seen that yet. We have certainly seen the orders that relate to crossing state lines. Um, we have seen orders that, of course, talk about self-quarantine or shelter in place within a state. Uh, to my knowledge, we are not seeing the within-county orders or between-county orders, but that's certainly possible. There is a real focus on how um, various government officials at all levels can take action. And in the absence of kind of a national standard, the states and local uh, authorities are doing it differently. So that means from a compliance standpoint, a really granular analysis has got to be the starting point um, of, of how to react in this situation and balancing a lot of different considerations um, for a lot of different stakeholders. So with the um, the federal response to this is um, in terms of either any of the three uh, components you highlighted, um, would the federal government provide guidance or uh, would they move towards oversight or control? Or is that really one of the questions that is still yet to be determined? There are a lot of open questions. There are some that are being answered. And every day um, when some questions are being answered, new ones emerge. So we're seeing direction and guidance from the federal government on certain critical programs and contracts. We're seeing guidance about certain hygiene and worker safety, OSHA, CDC standards. Um, so there's certainly some national federal pieces to it. In addition, of course, we've seen Congress and the president uh, push forward the CARES Act, which has a lot of important information about um, unemployment and family leave and those sorts of things. Um, so there is national federal type um guidance, direction, law, regulation, which bears on this. But there's also a lot that's happening on a much more granular level because of all the balancing that is being done every day, uh, trying to figure out how best to contain this and maximize that physical distancing between uh, between people and at the same time mobilize um, certain industries to have a robust response. Those things can sometimes be very hard to balance because certain industries need to operate in order to provide, for example, personal protective equipment. So there's a there's a real tension there about where things are accelerating, where things are declining, and how to balance all that. So one of the things that your firm has really helped the uh, business community with is a coronavirus resource center. In the resource center, um, um, I wanted to ask is, are 
Are you able to, uh, as best you can, keep up with these uh, types of guidance issues and put out client alerts so that people will have one resource to go to? It's a great question. So we are tracking a lot of different uh, developments. We're focused right now on these state shelter-in-place orders, quarantine orders, that sort of thing. But across every domain, whether it is um, third-party liability, rent issues, lease issues, non-performance under contracts, um, labor and employment issues, there are a lot of different things that we're tracking um, in real time. On the, and we have a lot of content on the Resource Center. On the state and local jurisdictions, we have about 25 people who are tracking these developments, creating summaries, and then working on as dedicated teams to provide analysis and advice to clients that need it. The benefit in having a team dedicated to Texas, Florida, New York, California, um, whatever it may be, is that they're also interacting with a lot of different companies so we can do some real-time benchmarking. They're also interacting with regulators so we get some real-time interpretation. So we're trying to build that domain experience within a given state in rapid style form. So the model has been really well received by our clients and it's just a tricky time for our clients and we're trying to do what we can to support them. Well, for any listener, I'm going to suggest and I'm going to link to this in the show notes because it's a fabulous resource, but they provide a a list of uh, areas of concern that the firm is looking at and it's really a checklist that every business executive needs to take a look at uh, and then do a self, self-assessment self to see where they might be and their company might be. The, um, as you know, uh, many of my listeners are compliance professionals, and I was wondering, sitting from your perspective as a white-collar practitioner and your specific practice, uh, where do you see uh, compliance ethics and integrity challenges uh, in this series of questions and quarantines that are coming up? Yeah, I I think we are, as we've seen um, in the past when there has been some type of crisis and then some type of big mobilization to respond, um, there is what follows a wave of enforcement oversight investigations. I don't think this is going to be any different. Um, There are a lot of different issues that, that we're tracking and, and trying to help clients take proactive mitigation measures. Um, so, for example, timekeeping is a big issue. How people are tracking the time that they work on projects um, when they're working remotely. Um, cybersecurity is a big issue with this kind of transition to a remote workforce. We're also seeing some really interesting and difficult questions where customers, including government customers, are asking companies to do things without typical documentation because the operational tempo is so fast. So how is that going to be handled? How are companies documenting and memorializing what otherwise would be a month-long process that's happening in six hours? Um, So I think we're going to see a lot of those issues. We're also seeing companies take a product and use it in a completely new way and furtherance of the response. And in so doing, it's subjected to a completely different regulatory scheme. So that product pivot, are companies thinking through the compliance challenges there? So there's a lot to this um, that I think we're going to see unfold. 
Peter, um, as I indicated, I'm going to link to the uh, uh, Crowell and Morling Coronavirus Resource Center site in the show notes. But I was wondering if listeners wanted more information on you and the firm, or is there another location they could go? Sure. Yeah, I mean, they're welcome to go to to our main website, which is www.crowell.com, and you can find there a whole list of our uh, coronavirus working group team members. And you can feel free to reach out to any one of us. We're, we're literally standing by 24 hours a day and would welcome the chance to, to see if we can help you, you out. Peter, the, uh, as I do these series of podcasts, this topic and this subject area that you and I have visited about today is, if not the most dynamic, one of the most dynamic. And so uh, as we progress through this in the next two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, or however long it may be, I hope I have the opportunity to visit with you again, because many of the points you've raised, I think, are things that may be 30 days out, may become much more important than some of the topics we raised today. So I hope we can continue the conversation. Likewise, from my end, Tom, I think this is a really important set of issues and very much appreciate the opportunity to join you today. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like explored on this podcast, please shoot me an email at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, as a call to action, I would ask if you could to please tell one of your friends about the podcast so we can spread the word out about the newest podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. Also, if you would leave us a rating on iTunes or a review, it would greatly help get this the word out about this most important podcast over the next several months. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me for our next episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This podcast is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.